listening to Healing with Purpose, a show that brings you wholehearted conversations for self-healers with your hosts, Lydia and Sarah. We're just two gals in our 30s trying to figure out our own selves while also trying to help others in our day jobs as counselors. Enjoy the show. We're back. Welcome. I wish that you guys could see us while our intro's playing because we make fun of ourselves <laughs> while our intro's playing. I still <laughs> like to just reduce the anxiety of yeah. just starting and, and getting back in the groove of it. Is that how we cope? We cope with humor. I can nervous. answer for myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like fanning myself of how hot I was. And yeah. <laughs> we were like, is it hot in here? Turn the fan on, I'm sweating. <laughs> I forgot how to record a podcast in a couple of weeks. I feel as nervous as the first time. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really sweet. And this is episode, I don't know, 10 or 11. So we're, we still have the jitter sometimes. Kind of speaks to like when you get out of the practice though, it's like you're, you're forgetting like how it feels, what it looks like. Cause we yeah. haven't recorded in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I was out of town and then I got really sick and Sarah was out of town. And so we've had a little bit of delays on the podcast that were unintended. We're like, yeah, we're going to start recording weekly. And then it didn't, it didn't pan out. It just didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Which is perfect because our topic today is expectations versus reality. Which I think is like you were saying, just perfect because as you will, we will discuss in a little bit, uh, it's not only fit our lives, but I think what we're seeing with people too, um, COVID as well and the holiday season. And there's just a lot of expectations coming as the year comes to an end. Yeah. And reality. Yeah. I think COVID was the year that like broke expectations. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. But yet I still have them. Right. (laughs) So like it didn't, it didn't break down the system so bad that like I let it go, but it definitely, it definitely challenged my expectation system for sure. It's interesting. It almost like stopped me in my track because I was like, that, that's true. It's like, you know, this is the year, you know, COVID, what the year of 2020 was just like trying to figure it all out. And then as like the vaccines came out and everything was changing, it felt like our expectations shifted, shifted. Yeah. We were going to be somewhere else. And so then it broke those expectations because, you know, it's still, we're still in a really difficult place. Yeah, for um, sure. It's still going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think my biggest like expectation that was broken during COVID was my marriage because my husband and I got married in like the worst possible week of COVID in our community. And we like, were not going to give up on our wedding. And we ended up having to wear masks the entire time and uninvite everyone except for 12 people. And we had to be outside socially distanced. And it was like, not the expectation of what I thought the beginning of our marriage was going to look like. And, and it was so lovely in many ways that I could not have expected But it also was really sad in a lot of ways because, you know, the whole day of my wedding, I got ready by myself and there was nobody there and it was really lonely and hard. And then, you know, you're, you're grieving because you expect when you get married that your best friends are going to be there and your siblings are going to be there and your parents are going to be there. And like, it was not any of that for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's interesting. Like it's been a year, my husband and I will be married in a year and a couple weeks and we still sometimes talk about we're so glad that we didn't delay our wedding because we were ready to move forward in our lives. But at the same time, like we both sometimes still feel sad about there's like a, a cultural expectation of what a wedding looks like in our world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's way too dramatic and too expensive. Right. And it's, it's over the top, but 
the celebration with people that we love, that was the expectation that we had to let go of. And it still is sometimes a little bit sad for us. I could definitely see that. I, I'm curious about how did you let reality in? Like, how did you shift to the decisions that you made and say, okay, like this is still, we have to like, this, this is the reality, then how do we embrace it? Yeah, it was super hard. I think that there came a point you know, initially with COVID, I remember being like, this is fine. It's going to blow over, which, you know, I'm not a doctor. I, I don't know anything about the epidemiology of disease, right? Like if I had known that, I probably would have realized like this isn't going to be over very fast, but I didn't know that. And I think the media and things set our expectations up sometimes to think that like it was going to recover faster because I think mm -hmm. that's what people wanted to hear. Right. But that wasn't the reality. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's an important point about expectations and reality is sometimes we hear in we seek out things that we want to hear to validate what we'd like to happen. And it's not actually the reality of what's really going on. And so by the time we got close enough to our wedding, it was kind of like we were in too deep at that point. And so we were like, we're not turning back. And I think the, the reality when we decided to move forward was when we finally realized that we weren't going to get out of COVID quickly, we quickly realized this is going to be a situation of scheduling and rescheduling and scheduling and rescheduling and sending out cancellations and then sending out new times and trying to recoordinate hotels and plane tickets for people. And we looked at each other and we were like, we do not want to do any of that. And so it, the reality of what planning a wedding was going to be in this two year period of time, we quickly realized that it was not worth having the celebration mm -hmm. that our marriage, even if there was only 12 people there to witness it and we were all socially distanced with masks was the, for us, the path to take. Mm -hmm. And even though there was grief in that, once we were truly, I think, realistic with ourselves, we were able to make a better decision about it. So it's kind of interesting because when you were describing it, it's almost like it, it, the, the reality of me holding on to the expectation was going to require like a lot more time, a lot of effort, and then you still didn't know if it was going to happen. So then it's like, do I hold on to the expectation or do I embrace the reality? Mm, that, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say that again? Right. <laughs> so if you were multitasking, come back because Sarah just said something really profound. <laughs> so do you hold on to the expectation or embrace the reality? My follow-up question is, do you think that holding on to the expectation causes more suffering? Well, I'm curious at what point am I no longer in a place of reality? Mm -hmm. I think that's the tipping point, or at least I strive to be aware of when that happens, that trying to stay in like the expectation of what I want to happen when it becomes harder and I'm suffering more to try to keep that going in that direction when the reality is, is like, I have to let go. Mm -hmm. And that's super hard. It is hard, especially when, <clears throat> because now we've like put in time and effort and maybe money and, and expectations and all of these things. And so it's hard to feel like now I've got this whole mound that I've created. Yeah. I mean, I we really still have a credit at a wedding venue. If anybody wants to hold an event <laughs> in El Paso, like I'll happily give it to you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so there is that like, I think grief, you use that word, that's like a huge part of the process, whether it's a wedding or whether it's the expectation of the career you thought you would have or, the, you know, um, the time in your life you thought you were going to have children. Or it could be as small as 
you know, the expectation of like a friend responding to you in a certain way and they don't do what you need in that moment and you're upset about it. Like, I think expectations can be really micro in, in the moment or they can be really big macro, big life experiences and both are valid and both require, I think, awareness and understanding like, how do I speak to this in this moment? How do I develop awareness around what's going on mm-hmm. in order to kind of figure out how to move forward. And I think that's an excellent point. Like when you're talking about awareness, like what do you think for our listeners is like, well, what is there to be aware of? Oh, hmm. I always go into the body because I just think like that's how I can understand myself better is in my body. So I think that when I start feeling, um, that like resistance in my body since you're nodding your head that was what you're thinking too (laughs) yeah yeah I don't even know how to like I'm trying to find words because it's such a visceral experience like how do you put words to like a felt sense but I know when I'm not in the flow of of my life and I'm trying to like force something that I need to let go of because everything in me feels like it's not working and, and it's usually because I'm resisting letting go of an expectation of what I thought was going to happen and I'm not accepting the reality of what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. So for me, resistance is like, it's almost like a, I don't even know, like a grinding inside of me and like everything feels hard and I feel heavy and I don't want to get out of bed and go deal with whatever I've got to deal with that's not working. It just doesn't feel good. Do you feel like it manifests into like any actual behaviors, like maybe like being oh, in bed yeah. more, binging TV more, uh, <laughs> escapism? <laughs> Mine I totally looks like procrastination. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Procrastination <laughs> is a huge one, and then I would say snapping usually at my husband. My my poor poor husband is usually snapping at him, um, or. I think escapism, which can sometimes happen through binge watching TV or food or um, even reading. While I think that's a healthier way to cope, I still think we're escaping into someone else's story because we don't want to deal with our own or oversleeping. Um, I think, yeah, all those can be for some people, maybe alcohol um, to numb Mm -hmm. the things they don't want to deal with or feel. But yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that we resist it. Mm-hmm. And there are times in my life when I've gotten a lot better at acknowledging what's happening and being like, okay, I see, like, this isn't working. And then there are times like uh, most of this year where I've resisted and I've thrown myself into months of, of terrible suffering and overworking myself because I thought, I thought I needed to do something in a certain way, even though it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I didn't catch it until four months later. That it hasn't been working. That it that hasn't long. been working. I agree with that. And I, it's just funny. Like some were able to catch really quickly. And then some were like, oh, wow. I Wow. I was under it, drowning in that for a while. And I knew it wasn't good, but I had n- no idea how to resource my way out of that. Mm-hmm. And so... I think one thing that's really interesting, and and I'm wondering if we can maybe even use an example, if we can come up with one of like, okay, well, what might that look like? Because I think there's like expectations, you know, at workplaces or within ourselves or in relationships um, where the reality and the expectation might be really different. Yeah. You stopped me on that one. I don't know. Let me think here. Um... 
well, I remember a long time ago, Sarah, when we were thinking about starting this podcast, we, we've told a story before how we would go hiking together and we would talk about like our desire to create this because we were feeling really stagnant during the pandemic and like we needed something else. And I remember that you brought up this idea that we kind of had these boxes in our lives that we check of like, okay, I went to elementary school and I graduated. I went to middle school and I graduated. I went to high school and I graduated. And maybe I went to a vocational school or got a job or went to college, whatever your path is. Like there are boxes that we check and then it's like, okay, then I found a partner and maybe we moved in together or maybe we got married, maybe we didn't, maybe we had kids. Like there is sort of this like linear trajectory that I think we place on people or the expectation that, we need to do these in some kind of like order. Mm-hmm. And I think that sets us up for a lot of failure. I know personally, there were times in my life where people were, I don't know, getting jobs right out of college faster than I did, or they were finding their path or they were traveling around the world. And I remember feeling really paralyzed right after college. Like, what, what do I do? You know, and I got a job and I started going to grad school, but like, I wasn't really like, this is my path. It was sort of like, I'm terrified and don't know what else to do. I'm lucky that the universe had my back and it got me where I needed to go in the end, but I didn't feel like really strong behind the decisions that I was making. It just kind of like worked out for me. But I do think that being aware of the expectations societally, culturally is important because they're super subtle and we just think of them as like typical life when really life does not have to look anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, Very true. and I think too that the only person we're really in, I don't like the word competition, but the only person we're really in competition with is ourselves at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how fast or slow someone else's life is moving because that's, that's their lived experience and that's their path. And their path and my path, your path and my path, are going to be very different. And it doesn't mean that one person is better than the other. It just means that we are unique, dynamic individuals on different paths. And we will peak and and crash at different times depending on what we need to learn in this lifetime. And so I think sometimes that big picture expectation that you had brought up a long time ago makes so much sense in why people develop guilt and shame and jealousy Because they're thinking like, well, I was supposed to have kids by now. That's a thought I've had. You know, I'm 33 years old. Like I thought, well, I should have had kids by now. There's Mm -hmm. a should, right? And I have to work on that and say, why? Who says that? Why? Yeah. Like why why should I have had children by now? Why does that devalue any of the things that I have done? Mm -hmm. And I think to kind of answer your earlier question, like we need to ground in reality and, and affirm for ourselves that I have value in the things that I have accomplished and my journey is not in competition with anyone else's. Mm-hmm. And so the way that you were describing it, it feels like a lot of times the expectation is something that's like really big and like sort of boxing us into something. But the reality is, is that there is something within our lives that could be happening that maybe it takes a different course and it's it's not to say that it's not going to end up there, but maybe just not in the way or in the timeline that we had hoped. Yeah. And so that by leaning into reality, what, I, I mean, when you were describing it, it feels like we release some of the shame, some of the guilt or some of the pressure that the expectation places on us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I think that's where grounding in reality, it, it helps us with that shame. Because if we listen to our own narrative of going on in our mind about why we aren't where we think that we should be, it, it is a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, and that's the shame. So I think someone once told me, like, you've got to get out of the story in your head. And I think that this is wrapped up in expectations and shame a lot of the time because when we get stuck in the story, the story is usually shameful or it's someone's wronged me or I've messed this up or how could I have done this? Or I'm internalizing that the reason life hasn't worked out for me yet is because of some fault within myself. Instead of looking at it like, well, my, my path doesn't have to look like other people's path. Right? I can get a divorce at 27 and still be okay, right? And that that experience, while I did not expect it, the reality of it is it taught me so much. It shattered me into a bazillion pieces that as I put back together, I recreated a version of myself that I'm so much prouder to be. And I could have never anticipated that in my life mm-hmm. for, you know, for good reason. No one gets married thinking they're going to get divorced, but... I remember being in therapy like a couple years after my divorce and I'd been in therapy for, you know, two years at this point. And I remember looking at my therapist and saying, I understand now why I got a divorce. And that was healing. That was that point where you go from feeling victimized to feeling empowered. And it took me years to get there to be able to say like, I understand the purpose of this in my life. But when it first happened, I was shattered because that was the first major thing in my life that had really not gone the way I thought it was going to. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I think everybody has those moments. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Sarah, if you can think in your own experience, like if you had a moment where like the world stopped and you were like, oh my gosh, I can't, this isn't realistic for me to stay on this preconceived path. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think, um, I mean, I think that I would say sometimes it's like a, a decision-based thing. The one that comes to my mind is like, I, you know, I chose to uh, live with my husband before we got married and that uh, the expectation amongst the family, especially like in Hispanic culture is like, that's a huge no-no. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and being really, really fearful of like, well, this is something that I really want to do. And I think it's important that we take this next step, but the expectation amongst, you know, is, is very like disappointing and shame and like, you know, but, um, and, and there was some definitely not from my parents, uh, but there was some that occurred and, and definitely hearing those comments, it was very, very hurtful, but at the same time, I, it was okay that my path wasn't like everybody else's yeah. and that it was, um, it definitely like severed relationships and things like that. But in the end, I think I was really happy with the fact that the reality was that I had been true to myself and, and that the people who, you know, embraced it were, were, were there. Yeah. You just shined a light on something really important. I don't think we've said so far, which is expectations are often outside of us. Yes. Or placed upon us. And that is a great example of your reality, you knew your reality, but there were outside external expectations that didn't want that to be your reality. Mm -hmm. And then we have to find a way to set boundaries or, you know, come to some 
internal knowing that like, even though people are upset about this, cause it's not what they expected of me, it's okay for me to do this because this is what's right for me right now. Mm-hmm. And that is true. And about like, when we were talking earlier about the embracing the reality and something that I still have to do now when, when I'm realizing expectations of certain things, I have to say like, I have to remember that like, I'm a good person and I'm doing this in not to hurt anybody and I'm not hurting myself. And once I kind of, you know, you were talking about checking boxes, but once I can like review that and say, I'm not hurting anybody else, I'm doing this because I'm being true to myself, um, then then I can move forward with it. Mm, it like helps like, your like moral compass, huh? Right. To kind of <laughs> say like, I'm not harming anybody in the process of doing this or her harming in a way that's like really detrimental, right? They might be upset and have emotions, but that's not like you're not providing undue harm to that person. Mm-hmm. And you're saying like, this is really what's true and right for me right now. And if you check those boxes, it feels like, okay, I'm able to move forward in this way. Right. Yeah. Cause I think expectations can take you one way and then reality will often, you know, it, it may line up, but it may not. Yeah. I think oftentimes it doesn't line up. I right? agree with that. I think that the reality becomes, we end up having to embrace the reality. Mm. Mm. That's so interesting. I like that too. That was, a, that was a big statement, right? Like we often, we have the expectation, that's the plan. And the reality is what we have to accept or embrace. Mm-hmm. I feel like very often do the, do the expectations look like the reality? Maybe for some people it does exactly, but I I don't think so. I mean, I think it often looks like setbacks, failures, disappointments, sadness, grief, like you mentioned earlier. Um, And it really is like that state of resistance, right? Do I keep fighting it? Do I keep saying no, but the expectation is I'm supposed to be here? Or do I embrace this reality and like embrace the disappointment and the sadness and the the frustration? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. I'm, I'm really like, hard. I'm like sitting with that right now. Yeah, it's really hard <laughs> as I'm saying it. Because <laughs> that applies to a couple of different things that's going on in my life right now. And that just hit really hard. <laughs> For me too. At what point do I just keep uh, oh, fighting? Oh, oh. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I think for me at least, I'm sure some of our listeners can identify with this. Like my ancestral baggage is that the fight is part of like the grit and the process that like, if it's not hard, you didn't earn it. Oh. And so I think sometimes that I make things harder than they need to be because I think there's some freaking badge of honor in doing that. Yeah. Like you were, um, I was going to say, uh, a bad, <laughs> you know, a badass. Like you went down fighting. Yeah. There's well, pride in that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but to what extent? But right? when I'm crying the on the bathroom point? floor, there's no pride in that. <laughs> so you've, you've reached the tipping point. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's shame because I'm laying there like, you know better than this. You know better than this, you know? So it's just kind of funny how sometimes it still happens, but I don't cry on the bathroom floor as much as I used to. <laughs> But this kind of talks like what we were talking about earlier, right? That like your your culture, your ancestry is like saying this is what it looks like to do hard work or this is what it looks like to achieve. Yeah. Um, And we had kind of talked about this earlier with like for myself, my, my parents are very like thoughtful people of like, you know, 
did you weigh every decision? Like, are you sure that's the right thing? I'm really worried that that's not going to be the right thing. And, and I understand it because they're very purposeful and intentional people. But for me, like it often paralyzes me. Like my issue is not like making a decision uh, and, and not, not just going into a decision. It's making one. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So there can be two sides to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. The side of it that's expectations can paralyze us sometimes if we have too high of expectations or in my case, because Sarah and I are very much opposites, it's I I like blow past the fear about things and I just jump into things and I'll just figure it out. <laughs> but that's that's again part of my ancestral baggage of chaos, right? And and learning that chaos is the badge of honor. Like going down in flames is your badge of honor. It doesn't matter as long as like at the end of it, you got to, it doesn't matter if you killed your body, you broke your arm, you lost relationships, you burned bridges, like you got there <laughs> and that is not healthy, right? <laughs> to all of our listeners out there, this is why I'm a therapist, right? Like, <laughs> Because, you know, you see these things in childhood and I was the kid that was like, something's not right here. <laughs> Uh, which is funny they say like children are the symptom bearers of the family and I was definitely the kid that was like some something's not something's not right here this isn't how their families do this we need to look at this and everyone's like shut up Lydia (laughs) so is your reality like slowing down that's mine for sure because I fall into that like grind culture um burn yourself down to reach success very often and I think that in our society, productivity and it is placed on this very high pedestal. And so sometimes it gets masked as, well, you're just an overachiever. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But that's not really wonderful at the end of the day when, you know, I was, what, 29 years old and had an autoimmune condition already because I've burned myself out and worked two jobs and done all these things constantly, gone to school at night and worked all day for 12 years. And then I'm totally on the ground can't function Mm -hmm. because I've burned myself out. Mm -hmm. So my lesson has been learning how to not take on too much and create chaos because I have too many balls in the air because I'm always trying to do 38 different things to prove that I'm valuable and that I made it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how like even though we're very different like you can still get to the same point um, in a similar way or like for myself, it's like my, you know, my dad was, my dad's 75 years old and he still works full time and like has always been a hard worker and like was always like, this is the expectation of like what hard work looks like. This is what it, you know, sounds like type of thing like we've talked about. And so like, I will silently do that, like on a very like micro level, like, yes, I might take a long time to like do decisions and like sort of get paralyzed in fear sometimes, but I like work myself to death, like silently. (laughs) Interesting. That is really interesting how it manifests differently because I work myself to death loudly and you work yourself to death silently. Yeah. So I think even in that subtle way, it it can play out very differently. Mm -hmm. And for different reasons. And so I think when we're looking at like the expectation versus reality, I have to sometimes think to myself, okay, like the expectation is to grow, but at what point and what is the cost? Like, what is it, you know, because sometimes the the problem is is that you can get lost in like 
working myself to death in ways that like are not the true growth I'm looking for. So like, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm bringing in income. Yes, I'm doing these things. But like, is that really leading me to the bigger goal that I want? Mm -hmm. Or am I just like working myself right now? Like in like you were saying, like grinding it out to meet a smaller goal when the expectation looks very different. Yeah. Yeah, that resonates a lot. Because I, I recently came to realize that I was trying to achieve an expectation that isn't my passion. It is, it is the expectation of my family. Mm-hmm. In order to belong to my family, there is an expectation of financial success, at least from my perspective. And I don't feel like I've ever been able to reach that perceived threshold of like, you made it. And I've killed myself. That's an exaggeration. I have burned myself out trying to get there and just recently I woke up one day and was like why am I doing this because I have sought out projects or invested my time and energy in things not because I was deeply passionate about it I may have been interested in it but it was because I thought I could make money doing that in order to get value and belonging Mm -hmm. to say like I made it yeah I think I told you that recently. I was like, I still, I'm 33 years old and I have a master's degree and I own my own business. And I still don't feel like I can say I have a year where I feel like I made it. And how obnoxious is that? Because I'm only placing value in a financial context. I'm not placing value in the stuff that I've healed about myself or the growth or the relationships I've cultivated or the people that I've helped heal. None of that. I'm, I am evading and disregarding all of that stuff. Mm -hmm all because of this one expectation that was never mine to begin with. That expectation belongs generationally to my immigrant family who came over here who had absolutely nothing and, and felt inferior about it. Mm-hmm. And that was three generations ago. Why am I still carrying that? And it's amazing how you were saying earlier when you said like the expectation is often placed from us externally. And that's such a great example of, you know, you were talking about when we started this podcast and how we were talking about on the hike, like checking all these boxes. And here you are saying like, I've checked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. Like, why do I still not feel like I've made it? But then the reality is, is like, well, what is my definition of I've made it? Yeah. And do we ever make it? Like, should we just like blow that question up? Like, is that question just setting us up for failure to begin with? Mm -hmm. Because there have been moments in my life where I felt like I reached an integrated place where like I understood my healing and where I was. And then, you know, weeks, months, years later, you go back into kind of that growth mode again, where some stuff comes up for you and you got to work through it. And then after doing the work for a little while, you have one of those crystallizing moments where you're like, I understand and I feel at peace and I feel connected to what's going on in my life again. And then we kind of go back in and we do the work again. And it's sort of this ebb and flow of things. And like maybe the whole time we've made it. Mm -hmm. Do you know? It's so interesting. As you were describing it, it reminds me of this one time that I I was telling my husband, like, I often think, you know, when we're in a state of resistance, our relationship with something is like we're upset about it. We're frustrated, kind of like when we're upset with people and we're just like, oh, you know, done with them. But I think like part of what you're saying is like your relationship with what it meant or with yourself changed and so like the situation may have always been there but it's it's us that changes it's our relationship with the reality Mm. that changes that then we can embrace it Mm -hmm. 
yeah, our acceptance of what's happening, right? And how we're coping mm-hmm. with what's happening. Yeah. And I know for myself, when I'm in grind mode, I am not in an accepting place. That's like my number one indication to myself that I'm not in a connected, tuned in, accepting place. I'm not resting enough. I'm not taking time to do the practices that are important to me. I'm not meditating or visualizing or journaling or tending to my ancestral altar. Like I'm not doing those things. And those are the things that keep me grounded in reality because they're daily practices that no matter what the state of the world is around me, I still have these core things that keep me rooted into where I am. And when I, when I get out of that place and I lose my habits and my, you know, my, my little everyday morning habits, I lose myself. Mm-hmm. And then I can be, that, that's when the habits and patterns and the external expectations take over because that's, that's my patterning, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're not grounded, we, I feel like it's over like the wind. We get like blown away in the patterning of what we were taught or learned to do without being like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And so I think that I keep saying this term, but keeping grounded in reality is for me, that's how I root into my true self. Like my true self lives in, in my torso. Mm -hmm. I can feel when I'm coming from that place and I can feel when I'm coming from a place that is not rooted and is chaotic and disorganized and being blown around and not true to my own path. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a very, it's a very, um, minute kind of shift that I can feel within myself that is really important. It changes the whole trajectory of how I relate and connect and make decisions. And as you describe it, it's, um, I feel like because there's so things that are like, they're, they're all intentional, right? They allow you to be intentional and aware. And the thing is, is that I, I think on day to day, when we're talking about tasks and seeing clients and taking care of a household, it, it's it's so easy to become disconnected and disengaged because there are tasks all around you all day long and people expecting things of you all day long. Yeah, And so I, I'm curious if you have you know, just some insight on like, what, how, how would you help someone to say, you know, even if the intentional, even if you are pulled away, how do we lean into like resourcing or or being grounded? This is a hysterical question because my answer is not what people are going to (laughs) think. But you and I talked about this, Sarah. I was not in a great place a couple weeks ago. And what happened? I got super sick, (laughs) super sick, like had to take 10 days off of work. Super sick. Wasn't COVID was a super cold, right? Super sick. And I could not leave my house. I, I just had to lay there. I like knit 28 washcloths because I wanted to like, not just sit there like a blob for nine days, you know? And when I was feeling better, you know, I cleaned out the garage and did all these other things, but it's, I, I, I was talking to Sarah about it and I'm like, this is messed up. I am a therapist. I know I have to rest. I've been saying to, out loud to the universe, without realizing it, oh, I just need a break. I just need a week off. I need a week to reset. I'm so stressed. This year has been really hard. And the universe gave it to me. Only it gave it to me in a sickness because Sarah and I had this conversation a couple days ago. I would not have ever taken time off 
if I hadn't been willed with illness to take time off. But the beauty of what happened is after 10 days off from not seeing clients, not stressing about work, having time to make nourishing food for myself and be in my home and spend time with my dogs and whatever, I felt 98% better than I had felt two weeks before that. Mm-hmm. Because I had time to journal more. I had time to catch up on some shows I hadn't seen. I had time to put a puzzle together. I had time to knit washcloths or read a a novel, which I haven't done in two years because I always read damn self-help books. Like, (laughs) so I think sometimes that, that the answer is like deep rest. And the answer is giving yourself space to not be grinding and be busy. And maybe that's just my karma because mine is proving your worth through these different, you know, avenues. But I don't know. I don't know many people who don't feel better after taking some time off mm-hmm. and being with themselves and doing things that bring them joy. I love to knit washcloths. I give them to people for Christmas. <laughs> I love to read novels. I, I love to catch up on some shows that I really like. I, you know, I love to be in my home, but I don't allow myself those things very often. And then I end up disconnected. Mm-hmm. So to answer your original question, in the process of all of that, I had time to make a cup of tea in the morning and sit in my chair and journal for six or seven minutes and then go to my ancestral altar and give my ancestors water and incense and, and be mindful of them. And then I could go, you know, take a walk uh, in the mountains. And even though it was slow because I didn't feel good, it was fine. It didn't matter. I didn't have any place I had to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, that's the answer is we have to make space for ourselves to just be mm-hmm. and get what we need. And we don't do that. So because you did that, then you were able to embrace the reality of I, well, in of being sick, it's like, I'm going to be here a little while. I'm not going to be able to get done what I had expected or hoped for, Yeah, but that I also clearly needed this. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I recognize that there, that there is a lot of privilege in being able to do that. I have a husband who has a job and can still pay our bills, even though I had to take 10 days off of work. And, you know, Sarah and I are self-employed, so if we're not at work, we don't make any money. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard sometimes, but I'm, I am grateful that I'm in a position now where I can do that because five years ago, I would not have been able to rest for 10 days because I would have been enormously panicked about I'm not going to be able to pay my bills this month because I just took 10 days off Mm -hmm. right so I think that that there is privilege in being able to rest and that it's not always 10 days in a row sometimes it's you know we take a bath at night when we get home from work like I don't think rest is always in 10 day increments I Mm -hmm. think sometimes it's you know as I've as I've transitioned back to work like this morning I had 18 minutes right to before I had to shower and get dressed and get to work. And so I sat in my chair with my cup of coffee and I journaled for eight of those minutes. I tended to my ancestral altar. I pet my dog for 30 seconds and then I got in the shower. So, you know, I think that once we reestablish those rituals and those those grounding in reality for ourselves, it can be quick. It can be 30 seconds if that's all that you have. Mm-hmm. So while your coffee's brewing to take a deep breath and just say an affirmation to yourself if that's all the time you have, like that still counts. Mm -hmm. That still helps. It's still something. It is. Yeah. And I, I encourage a lot of my clients and I try to do this myself too, but it is hard 
to throughout the day, like have these like markers for yourself, like at 6 a.m. when you're standing in front of the coffee pot, stretch, take three deep breaths, say an affirmation right before you eat your lunch, before you open up your lunch bag or before you go get out of the car to go into the store to grab your lunch, like pause, take three deep breaths, say an affirmation to yourself. I got this. I'm, I'm good. Today's a good day. When you pull into the driveway at night for six seconds before you go into the house into your family and the chaos that might reside there, take a deep breath, say your affirmation. Like we have 10 seconds, three times a day mm-hmm. to, to give ourselves that. But if we get carried away, we get ungrounded, we get lost in all the shit that we pick up throughout the day and the stuff that gets triggered within us that we don't even realize we're unconsciously making decisions from that place. And like a couple minutes of an awareness breath can make a difference Mm -hmm. if we practice it. Right. And so I think when you were talking about like, it can be like very, when you were talking about micro and macro, it can be same thing for um, the practices or the routines or rituals mm-hmm. in order to ground ourselves a little bit in reality. Yeah. So that we don't get carried away by our expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause sometimes we don't realize we've gotten carried away. We wake up one day and we're like, like I did the other day, I was like, Oh shit, four months went by and I, wow, I worked, I worked almost seven days a week for four months because I didn't realize what I got myself stuck in. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't that pause. Mm-hmm. Or if there was, I, I paused and then I was like, I don't know how to get myself out of this. I got to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there was another way out. I just didn't know how to access it at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to ask for help with it. You know, there are things I could have done to try to help that I didn't do. And that's how we learn. It's like almost like, you know, when you go on a hike, I was telling my husband this the other day, it's like when you go on a hike and sometimes like I can feel like you were talking about that resistance in the body. And like, sometimes I tell him like, I need an aerial view. I need like a drone view of like, because I'm so stuck in this, I can't figure out a solution. And I wish I could like get out of my body to like, or just see outside of it so that I could not get out of it, but see something like, an you know, because mm-hmm. I'm so stuck in like whatever it is that I'm feeling. Mm. Yeah, like you get like hyper focused on like whatever is not feeling well or you're stuck in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder how you pull back. Do you have any thoughts that you can share with our listeners of like how, how can we pull ourselves back? You're more of a detail oriented person than I am. I'm a big picture person. So mm-hmm. I think we have the opposite problem where I need to zoom in and maybe sometimes you need to zoom out. And I'm I'm wondering like, is there a, is there a ritual to kind of zoom out if you're a person who gets stuck internally? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's as easy as it can be something really small, like going for a walk is something really helpful because now that we do telehealth, like I'm inside four walls all the time and I'm just inside a lot. Like I can, sometimes I'll be like three days and I haven't seen outside. It's like, you know, it, it's just, I need to get outside of my space for a little bit. Yeah. Um, or sometimes that may look like talking to someone that I trust, like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Like, you know me well. Can you, are you like seeing something I don't see? You know, is there <laughs> anything I'm missing? Because the truth is, is like, I'm stuck in my own narrative at that point. Like the likeliness of me, like not catching something or seeing something is possible. Mm. Um, a workout is, is sometimes helpful or like yoga. Cause I really do believe like that movement in my body, like helps me to make sense of it. Mm. Um, journaling is something like really helpful. Um, sometimes I'll just like open up my computer and like just start typing and it sort of just, you know, 
Cathartic. comes out. Yeah. yeah. It figures, it, it finds its way out. Um, it seems like shaking it up a little bit. Yes. Like if you're stuck and you know you're stuck, it's like, I've got to do something out of my routine right now. Mm-hmm. I've got to get outside or I've got to get my body moving or I've got to like shake out this whatever is happening in my head right now because it's not serving me. Mm-hmm. It seems like moving your body sometimes helps clear out the cobwebs in the head. Definitely. It's are. like pollution. It's like I've polluted it and now I need to like get to like a different space or like air it out to like let this out mm-hmm. and see clear it a little bit mm-hmm. wow wow that's a big topic it is and, I, and it, what I'm fascinated by and grateful for is that we almost see it in two different ways like you were saying mm-hmm. like I get stuck in details where you get stuck like in the bigger picture and so yeah. it's really helpful I think and I'm, and I, I'm hoping it's helpful for our listeners too to know like it's not just like a one-size-fits-all like we all get stuck in different ways and sometimes it may look the same um, but what we may need is either, you know, we talked about some examples, small or big, yeah. that can help us to get out of it. Yeah. And I think to that end, just being as curious as you can around what is helpful right now and what is not helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's sometimes it's just trial and error of, I, okay, I took a walk and that just pissed me off more. Like that's not helpful. Or I notice when I get outside, I immediately feel better, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's looking at what what is resourcing for you? Because that answer is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people hate journaling. Some people <laughs> love journaling. It's just like a love hate thing, right? It is. I used to hate it, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but I don't know. It just, and I think that that's why I always ask people, you know, like if you did that five years ago, like just try it one more time this time, because yeah. there are definitely things that used to work for me then that don't now. Yeah. Well, that's a great question I think to leave people with today is if there's something that you've done prior in your life that was helpful to you, if you're not doing it right now, maybe try revisiting it. Mm-hmm. Like unearth that and bring it back into your world and see if if it's still helpful to you now. Um, you know, it's, it's just getting that practice going again. And if there's something you tried a couple years ago that didn't work, maybe give it a shot for a couple of days and see if it does help you now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like asparagus. We don't like it when we're kids and when we get older, we love it. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe things will, will be helpful, but I think that's our time for today. Well, thank you for joining us. It's a big topic and um, I'm hoping that you can look at your own expectations and reality and look at, you know, what am I embracing and what am I resisting? Yeah. And my favorite question that you brought up, I think in our last episode was, and what do I need? Like, what do, what do I, I need, need in this point. moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For myself, my partner, my experience, like, what do I need right now? So, yeah. Well, we love that you guys are here. Thank you as always for joining us. Um, in two weeks, Sarah and I are going to do an episode about boundaries, but it's going to be, um, like holiday edition (laughs) holiday specials because let's all be honest that sometimes the holidays bring up boundary issues with family around all kinds of goodies so um we're going to be talking about that in two weeks we're super excited to give you guys a little bit of tools and stuff before the holiday season gears up and uh as always you can follow me at thrivecounseling.ep and you can follow me at mindfulwellness.ep And leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback. um, And we will be back in your feeds in two weeks. Bye. Bye, guys.